welcome everyone. And you in the, the YouTube land, welcome. We're glad to have you with us. If you would, if you feel blessed by the worship service, please touch that little like button, if you would, uh, on the YouTube channel. Um, if you would, also pick up your caring and sharing here. You can find that online also if, if you're uh, wanting to do that. Um, has all the announcements and of things that are coming up uh, of the births that are in the congregation or in our extended congregation. Uh, and so we want you to keep up with that. Today we'll have our contactless communion with the little sets. If everybody remembered to pick theirs up and at home, you can um, get your elements ready uh, also, and also our contactless giving back, uh, whether there's a, the box in the back or you give online, there's a, a QR code uh, on the website. Uh, it's usually in the caring and sharing, maybe not this week, but it's usually there, and you can just take a picture of that with your camera on your phone, and it'll take you to the spot, and you can uh, give uh, electronically uh, through your phone that way if you'd like. We'd also like um, everyone uh, to uh, to know about the uh, egg hunt uh, that is coming up at the Millers on April the 3rd. Uh, they're needing volunteers for that. Uh, they need people to uh, uh, place the eggs or bring the eggs, uh, donate, maybe supervise a field where the little seekers are out uh, in the lawn uh, looking looking for the eggs. But if you'd like to participate at the Millers uh, in, in the Danbury area uh, with that uh, Easter egg hunt, we'd, we'd love to have you there on April 3rd from 3 to 5 p.m. Next week is a picnic at the Millers, I believe, on the 11th. So uh, be, be aware of that, too. It's all in the caring and sharing. Today we're going to use as our call to worship uh, a scripture reading from Psalms. It goes along with the faith of Abraham uh, that Peter will be talking about in his sermon. And this has a couple of the verses uh, that, are, that are included in, in those thoughts. We're going to read seven verses. Uh, you remember when David sinned with Bathsheba, he, he talked about in Psalms 32 how he felt like he was wasting away, how his bones ached within him when he had not confessed his sin to the Lord. But when he confessed, that burden was removed. But all of us have this need to go to the Lord and tell him of the things that we've done that, are, that we haven't shared with him. He knows they're in our mind. He, he hears our thoughts before we even think them. He hears our words before we ever say them. And he knows exactly what we've done. He wants to take that weight off of us and is just waiting for us to share that with him. We have a great and wondrous God who's full of mercy and love. I've been reading a book recently on near-death experiences. Uh, the man reviews all these people in the world, a lot of people in the world, not all of them, but and he's read lots of resources and compiled them into the stories that the people tell who have clinically died and then come back. Some of them, peasant people around the world, don't speak our languages from other countries, neurosurgeons in the United States, highly educated people, people that you wouldn't consider who had a relationship with the Lord in, in a strong way, who 
had a near-death experience, felt like they were in the presence of the Lord, and then returned, and their stories were amazingly similar, and they had no contact with them. With them. One, of the, one of the stories that was found repeated several times was one where someone would be standing in the presence of the Lord who would be exactly by them, exuding this light. And they would see their life panorama shown across a screen in front of their eyes. And it happened like that, but their mind acted so quickly, they perceived all of it so quickly. How they think there is so much different than they think here. How they see there is different than how they see here. But that life events were scattered, were played for those people and the Lord was standing by them and you know who condemned them? No one. Just themselves. They recognized those incidents in their life but there was no sorrow in it but that what they realized that Jesus wasn't condemning them. There is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus and it just proves it but not everybody told that same story, but many did. It's an interesting thing. You were going to uh, read a psalm that talks about that and sharing those problems, those errors in our life, those sins with the Lord so he can take those away from us. Let's all stand and read this verse together. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed man against whom the Lord counts no and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my bones all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of the waters, they shall not reach him. Thank you. song service now. I shall not be moved. 
have all three of our groups uh, to, today for our children, Stage 2, Limitless Kids and Praise Kids. They're all available if they want to move to, that, to their areas right now.
Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to give us to be together. I come to your presence on the name of our Lord and, and Savior Jesus the Christ. I praise and give it honor to your name because all the good things you have done for us. I do pray that as we go about this worship service today, we can bring glory and honor to you. I do pray that you be with the church at Lake Jackson and the church down here in the Dominican Republic. Help us to be always faithful to you and do you will. I do pray that as we continue serving you, so we can be a blessing for others and that you open doors for us to pray for the sick who are in the Dominican Republic and the people who are in the United States. I will pray for all the mission work that Lake Gasson is doing overseas, that you give us the heart and the wisdom in how to go about how to serve. I do thank for all the people who are helping us here and for the congregations and the leaders. And it is in Jesus, our Savior, that we pray. Amen. morning. I'll be reading from Romans 4 verses 7 through 11, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man through whom the Lord will not impute sin. Cometh his blessedness than upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned, when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, 
though they be not circumcised, the, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. Well, I promise you I put the winner's cup as my first slide before ACU won last night. Uh, it must be a God thing. Um, but the winner's trophy is something that we desire, um, especially for teams we support, especially if, if it's us that are competing. To win the winner's trophy, it means a lot. It shows the the perseverance, the uh, hard work, and the effort that we put in, and then you receive that winner's trophy, and then you see everybody else receiving the participation trophies. This is perhaps the most loathed uh, trophy you can receive. Um, it says, well done, you tried, but you're a failure. Um, it says... Uh, here's an award for not being quite as good as somebody else. Um, and it, it, I get it. The meaning is there. But it's not the winner's trophy. It's not what, what we're striving for. And yes, the winners may not get the participation trophy. They get the winner's trophy but the winner also gets bragging rights, but does that really count when everybody else gets something else that you've worked hard for? We'll come back to this trophy in a little bit. And what Alan covered over the last week or so, and wrapping up uh, Romans 3, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, a church that is divided between the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians. The Jewish Christians have been allowed back into Rome They've been sent out because of this um, disturbances in the synagogues. Um, so the Jewish Christians were sent out, but the Gentile Christians could stay. Now the Jewish Christians have come back. There's tension because things aren't quite how they used to be. Things are not the way the Jews would have done it. Not that in 2021 anyone would ever look for differences to cause arguments or uh, fights or not get along with anybody, right? Um, we, we all love to get along. We don't look for any differences. You, you can laugh. Um, <laughs> so the end of chapter 3, it states that through faith... That righteousness is given in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Faith. Let me adjust this. I think it's knocking on the... Is it good? Okay, it's good. Thank you. It is faith, not works, not gender, not race, not where you're from, not what you look like or how you sound. Faith. You may remember Paul writes in, at the end of uh, chapter 3, verses 22 through thir uh, 24. Uh, it says, There is no difference between Jew or Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Je Christ Jesus. Paul is not looking for differences. Here he reveals the similarities. For all have sinned 
He's not saying, well, you're a murderer, you're a liar, you're a gossip, you're a gambler, you're... He's not breaking up the sin. He's saying, you have all sinned. We have all sinned. And it's funny to me, the country comes together, 9-11 is a perfect example of this. When there's devastation, when there's something that unites us, we work together well. When we focus on the similarities, differences no longer matter. I used to work for um, a movie theater back in England. I was the projectionist, moved to Reading from Bristol, and our uh, general manager, um, Jay, he, he was Muslim. And I thought, well, this is a good opportunity for me to you know, teach Jesus to him. And no matter what I tried to do, he came in saying, but our faiths are founded on Abraham. And he used what was similar to tell me, don't preach different to me. We still believe the same God. We may call him different things, but let's look at the similarities. And I learned a lot from him in that. But differences are weaker than commonality if it's focused on. Alan has also referred to on a number of occasions that it's not the law that justifies a person. Rather, it is their faith. What God is, uh, God is both God of Jew and Gentile. As we turn the page from chapter 3 into chapter 4, Paul goes straight to the one who everyone understands in the faith to be the prime example, their father, Abraham. And he writes, What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If, in fact... Abraham was justified by works. He had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. This text refers to Genesis 15, 6, and later uh, we'll, we'll touch on this in uh, verse uh, 22 of chapter 6 um, of Romans. When Paul quotes the scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham's belief, or faith, came before anything he did. Keep that in mind. It came before anything that Abraham acted upon. He believed he would have a child before God made it happen. He, his belief was what credited Abraham as righteous. Now, I really like this example of Paul's offer, uh, that Paul offers here in verse 4 about a worker earning his pay. How many of us would be willing to get up and go to your job for 40 years without a single penny? Raise your hand. Nope, I thought so. We work for a paycheck. 
And if you're like me, you work expecting to receive payment for your knowledge, for your time, and for your effort. Now, don't get me wrong, there are times we do some jobs that we are volunteering our skills and our time for, but that's made known at the beginning. You don't sign a contract for 40 years to work for Dow, for example, without a penny. You'd kind of be foolish to do that. And so you expect to be paid. There's this obligation to receive something for your efforts and your time. So how many of you would rather get a paycheck um, for sitting at home watching Netflix or reading a book or spending time with family or doing your hobbies or vacationing? Would you rather that paycheck? Yeah? Yeah, I, I, I would like that. Um, we think just because we work for a paycheck that we deserve a payment for what we do for the church. Now, don't get me wrong, there's a payment coming, and it's, it's this debate. Is it what we do, or is it our faith? And that's what we're looking at. Those who believe in the works of God before they are seen are justified as pr and credited as righteous. It's our faith that is more important. It's the story of the prodigal son. The youngest son runs off and wastes his inheritance, but is made righteous knowing what his father could do for him. Becoming a servant is what he'd want. The, younger, uh, the older brother expects a reward for staying at home and being with his father and working hard for him all these years. The younger brother doesn't expect to be treated as family or even celebrated for coming home because he knows he does not deserve it. And yet, this celebration happens and he is welcomed back as family. The older brother has been participating in everyday life, at home and at work. And yet his father throws a party for his younger brother who's gone away. And he thinks he deserves it. We don't expect parties for when we're law keepers. If you don't murder someone this week, like you've never done, hopefully, do you expect a reward for that? No. But if you have sinned and you repent of that sin, then there's a celebration. Now, I'm not saying go out and murder people and then, then we'll have a celebration. I am not saying that. Please do not hear that. But we do not expect to be rewarded for being law keepers. And that's what this is about. The older brother felt like he needs to be rewarded for doing what was right and not the repentance. And so this is where we pick up with what Caden read for us in uh, chapter 4, 7 through 11. It's quoting what we read earlier uh, in David's 32nd Psalm. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will, count, uh, will never count against them. The conversation Paul is addressing here, the conversation causing dis, 
uh, division in the church in Rome at this particular time was to be or not to be circumcised. You see, the Old Testament law states anyone that is of Jewish faith must be circumcised. And therefore, if you're a Jewish Christian, you must be circumcised. And they're arguing with the Gentiles saying, you need to be circumcised. And the Gentiles are saying, but that's the old law. That does not matter anymore. The circumcision is in the death of Jesus. That was the act. That was what mattered. And so if you came to faith from not being of Jewish blood, no matter how old or young you were, you had to be circumcised. That was the Jewish thinking. There were no exceptions. There was an obligation to receive that reward. You had to act on this circumcision. When we sin, there is a debt that needs to be paid. Our sin causes a debt. Jumping back to Romans 3, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all of us, every single one of us in this room, every one of you online, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is sin, and that sin must be paid for. Now, as we jump ahead to Romans 6, 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, and that's the price to pay. Our sin requires death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is the debt paid. Christ Jesus died for our sins. The debt that we owe was paid by Christ. Circumcision wasn't enough. Sacrifices on the altar was not enough. The death of the righteous one, Jesus, was enough. When you are in Christ, when you put him on in, on in baptism, and you keep that relationship with Christ alive by communing, that's what this is for, by communing together with him, all sin, all debts, all wrongs are paid for by the blood of Jesus. The debt you build will never count against you. And that's amazing. The prodigal son returns home and is made a member of the family again. He was forgiven, not because of his actions, but because of the grace the father had upon him. Circumcision was a sign of faith in the same way that a wedding band is the sign of marriage. The ring symbolizes marriage, but it is not the marriage. Circumcision was a symbolism of the relationship between human or mankind and God, but it was not the relationship. It's not about the works, but it's about faith. Abraham's faith came before the mark of circumcision. And something just happened to my notes. Here we go. Technology can be useful. 
Okay. Where am I? Down here. Okay. So Abraham is the father of all, since uh, all who believe, since his faith came before the law. The sign of circumcision, the, the promise of, of what was to come, was given to him. Uh, it was given to him uh, not through the law, but before it. This circumcision came after his faith. He was circumcised because of his faith. Does that make sense? Is that clear? Yeah? Seeing nodding heads, that's good. Um, the, promise, the promise all rests on is the righteousness of God's grace. Trusting God to always be the righteous one, the deliverer, the redeemer, the keeper of all promises. God calls Abraham before he was circumcised, not before he was a law keeper, because the law came after. God, in grace, delivers Israel while they were still in, sa in slavery. He does it before they can keep a law. We'll continue our reading, picking up in verse 13. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be an heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing, and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgressions. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it might be so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are, sorry, um, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. And God, who, who gives life to, dead, to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but it was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he promised. Abraham is the example in chapter 4 because he kept his faith. He kept his faith in the promises of God. He had hope even when things looked hopeless. Even though he was old and had no children, he trusted in God to make him the father of many nations. He trusted God. Would he trusted that God would follow through with all he had promised. Abraham is the example because when most of us would give up, he kept his eyes focused on God. He kept his eyes focused on what was said to him. He kept his faith, and it strengthened. So let me ask you this. 
What if we don't give up asking God for what we've been praying for? What if we keep on praying? What if we don't say, well, I prayed about it. Nothing's happened. Keep praying. See where your faith will guide you. Where could your faith be if you never gave up? The text goes on saying, it was credited to him. These words of faith weren't about Abraham, but about Paul's readers, and therefore us as well. It's all about faith. In faith, we receive the same credit and justification and deliverance when we believe in the promises of God, uh, promises of Jesus. To briefly jump ahead to chapter 5, God keeps his promises today while we were still sinners and while we were still lawbreakers. God, in his grace, sent Jesus to die for us, and it all depends on faith. So in faith, we receive justification and deliverance. Abraham was trusting in the promises of God, and in faith, we trust in the promises of God. The promise came to fulfillment in Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. We have faith in the one who raised Jesus from the dead and for our justification. We have faith that he's gone to prepare a better place for us. We believe he will return for us in the same way he ascended. In faith, you are a child of Abraham. Family in faith. Reading scripture is reading your family history, directing us to live the next chapter of our lives, for others to see, to follow, and to read. We must no longer continue to do the things that separate us from God, or like in Romans 1, uh, 32 says, we must not approve of those who practice them either. And finally, in faith, we make purposeful actions. Living in faith is not an excuse to do nothing and claim it to be faithful living. Living in faith means we put faith first, then action. Faith does require to do something. It needs action. The action is being sure of what, we, what is hoped for and certain of what is unseen. Hebrews 11.1. 1. The action lays deeper than just saying, I believe, or showing up to a church service. The action lays in the meaning, lays in meaning what you say and do in and around the home and the workplace as well as church. Abraham had faith, but he and his wife still had action before coming, becoming a father, if you know what I mean. Paul asks in verses 9 and 10, Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Under what circumstances was it credited? And his answer comes from Abraham's faith before the cir circumcision. The circumcision was the seal proving his righteousness. The person following the law isn't doing something special. 
but is doing what is required. The one who understands they cannot follow the law completely, but instead asks God for mercy and believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteous. The older brother who thought he deserved a party for, or a celebration for doing what was right, for not breaking the law, I think too often we, the church, we believe we deserve something special, some form of special recognition. Oh, you've been a wonderful Christian this week. Good job. We want that recognition. And I think that's why we set our standards so high in the church. We don't admit to our failures and our fails. Because we don't want people to see that in our life. And yet, knowing we cannot live a perfectly sinless life like, like Christ did, that is where we're justified in God's mercy and grace. We want a participation trophy for being faithful members of the church for all these years. There are people who judge harder and wrongly for people who come through the doors that may not look like the rest of us or who may ask questions that we don't ask anymore because we've accepted things to be the way they are now. Some of us get angry when someone returns home after being unfaithful for so long and decides to start their life over with God. How wrong of us to judge and be angry and to say they've sinned so they don't deserve this anymore. How wrong is that? And the Jewish Christians expected the Gentile Christians, Christians to act upon circumcision because that's the way it had always been done. But God knew for the gospel to reach all people, for the sacrifice of Jesus to have meaning for each one of us in a different time and in a different place, something had to change. That something wasn't the faith of man or the grace of God, rather it was by the works, the way people put on how to become a child of God. All too often, we trust according to the works of ourselves or others. The only works we need to trust in is the work that was accomplished on the cross by Jesus. The last two verses, three verses of uh, Romans chapter four reads, the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone, but for us, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. It is my prayer that in each of your hardships, your struggles, your doubts, and your fears, in your unknowns of life, and even, in the fully, and even fully in the things that you are certain about, in all these things, I pray that your faith will grow, that it will shine, and it will be the example for your family and your friends to use in the lives of those around them. I pray that your example of faith will shine so bright 
that the people around you will see Christ in you and tell their friends, hey, there's something awesome about this person. And all you do is point to Jesus. I invite you, if you're here in person this morning, if you want to come forward during the invitation song, or if you want to speak to one of the elders after service, or if you're online viewing with us this morning, I encourage you to reach out if you have any questions, any fears, any doubts. Reach out to the number on the screen, 979-217-3300. I encourage you to reach out because it's faith that is greater than works. But if you need something to happen, there has to be action. There has to be something done. And so I encourage you to come forward and share whatever's on your heart. May we not just be participants in our faith walk, but may we all strive for the faith of Abraham. Thank you. So I'll be standing, please.
scripture reading and then a couple of thoughts as we get to our Lord's Supper here. Um, if you're joining us online uh, via cyberspace, now's your time to go get your your emblems, your, your bread, and your, your cup. And uh, read with me, if you will, <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 31. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what he preached to save those who believe. Jews demand a miraculous sign, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. A couple of thoughts. I'm not sure I've read anything in a while that's more relevant to our culture today. When we contrast the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God and what he's called us to be. Because the world's wisdom, not only is it usually dead wrong, but it keeps changing. They keep moving the goalposts. One day, the world says it's okay to sacrifice children to idols. One day, it's okay to enslave people because you conquer them or because of the color of their skin. Today, anything goes. I'm not even sure the word sin is even wants to be acknowledged anymore. So we can't even keep up with the wisdom of the world. The world's logic is not only crazy, it's bloodthirsty, it's hateful, it's selfish, it's dysfunctional. It is not your friend. It will betray you. The world's logic, the world's wisdom, killed the son of the creator. And not because he was a troublemaker, but because he dared to love everyone. And he dared to say that hypocrisy was bad. And he dared to heal people who needed it. The world is broken. The world 
is lost. So why are we so eager to follow it? What we are doing here this morning might be the ultimate misunderstanding by the world. They think we're just flat nuts. You didn't sleep in today. You're getting ready to take communion because you believe in somebody who was risen from the dead? Really? You really believe in an actual God? A real creation? Adam and Eve and all that stuff? At some point, you will have to choose between the world and God. Maybe in a big way, maybe in a small way. But is that really a surprise from what we just read? We may have to be prepared to be called fools because the world just doesn't get it. We're going to have a prayer for our communion where we honor our leader who was murdered and was raised again and his body and his blood makes us whole. I really believe that. I hope you do as well. Would you bow with me? Our Lord and our Father and our Creator, you made us for good things. You created us for good works. You put your holiness and your righteous spirit inside each of us. There is no question that mankind is a different creature. We are greater than the sum of our parts because we were made in your image. So much so that you saw that we couldn't find our way on our own. And we needed a big help. And so you sent your one precious son to not only show us the way, but to become that very sacrifice that makes us right again. We thank you for that. We will ever be unworthy of that. But this morning, Father, help us to realize that as we break this bread, that from the beginning you've wanted us in a relationship with you, and that's really all you've wanted. We've tried to go our separate way, but you've made it possible to come back. We thank you for that. Bless us, Father, as we take this bread, that we would really realize what it is, that it is a symbol and that it represents the body of your son, but that as we take of it, that we join you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body.
if you're here with us this morning, you you take your little hourglass-looking thing and you turn it upside down now on the, where, the, where the cup is, is up. I've said this before. These are actually just fascinating little designs. They're really, really good and have been so helpful during this whole COVID thing. Let's pray. Lord, we continue our prayer to you this morning. And as we read and as we were told again and reminded, as it is so true, that each of us is a sinner. There is not a single one of us, regardless of our background and our heritage or how smart we are or how good an athlete we are or whatever, not a single one of us is good or good enough to be saved. It is only when you look at your perfect son and his sacrifice that we even measure up. Thank you, Father, for loving us enough to send your son. And as we take this cup, we were reminded that his real blood did spill and he was really alive and this earth just couldn't handle it. We beg for your forgiveness and your mercy and we pray that you would help us to be forgiving and merciful. And as we take this cup, help us not bring condemnation on ourselves, but somehow through your eyes and through the blood of Christ, we pray that we would be right in your eyes. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. We also use this time to uh, offer a prayer for our offering, for our giving. Um, we don't pass the plate. We do it old school with the box in the back. That's really old school, like, you know, in this book, old school, <clears throat> which is good. And there's other ways. You can do it online. You can, you know, uh, the money will find its way here, and it will find its way to good service and good work. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, as now we, we come to you and we come to you in a prayer of thanksgiving. We stand here as just amongst the most blessed people maybe that the earth has ever known. Our prosperity and our safety, our security, our freedoms, not to mention the untold material wealth that we have. Father, help us to never cease to be moved by that that we would be truly and genuinely grateful and recognize that all these things are gifts from you. None of us ask for them and none of us sure deserve them. But you have seen fit to bless us at this point in history, in this time, in this day, and we thank you for that. Father, help us to give back, to give generously and to give sacrificially and realize that the giving benefits the giver more than anyone else. We pray that the funds would be used wisely and shrewdly and go to serve and help and mission and do all the wonderful things that you've called us 
to do and to be. Most importantly, we thank you for your son. And we ask this prayer in his name. Amen. Everybody's brackets get busted last night. I don't know. I didn't do one, so mine didn't. Um, so I just want to give a quick update on the uh, elder nomination process. So we did have, we do have three nominees, uh, David Gay, Kevin Hunter, and Gary McBrayer. Uh, we do have our uh, four current elders do continue uh, to, uh, do intend to continue serving. So that's Randy, Jerry, Craig, and Jeff. Uh, so next slide, please. So uh, where we're at right now in the process, we are beginning the examination period. So this is the opportunity for us, you guys, as a congregation to review the questionnaires that our nominees completed and really look at and consider uh, where they're at spiritually and try to know their hearts and minds um, as far as where they're at spiritually. Uh, so those nominee uh, questionnaires are in the church library. Uh, they do not leave the church building. They are uh, pretty sensitive documents. Uh, so we want to make sure they, they stay here. Uh, if you cannot come here, for those who are online, if you cannot come here to review those, the elder discernment team, we can hand deliver those uh, questionnaires to you so you can review them and then we can pick them up and bring them back to the church. So if you need that, please reach out to us. We've got our email, 2021ljcc at gmail.com. That gets to uh, the discernment team. Or you can call one of the team members. We're all in the... Uh, church directory, the instant directory app, and my phone number is going to be on one of the last slides. You can always reach out to me. So uh, some expectations and the timeline. So any objections that you might have for any of the nominees, they need to be based on scripture and they need to be based on personal knowledge. There's no hearsay. Um, you know, we're not concerned about David's purple monkey dishwasher that you might have heard, uh, you know, down the, down the grapevine. Uh, it, is, it is a preference that you uh, get with these nominees one-on-one -on -one if you have an objection and try to resolve it that way. There is some, some guidance in Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, on how you approach someone privately to discuss uh, any, any issues you might have with them and, and resolving that. We do want to focus on affirmation, uh, not criticism. We're not here to tear people down. We're here to find people that uh, can uh, serve as elders that are willing to and meet biblical requirements for that. So, uh, like I said before, the questionnaires are available in the church library to review. There are also blank forms, uh, objection forms that you can fill out if you are not able to resolve the objections one-on-one -on -one with the nominees. So those are also in the library. Those are also on our uh, website, on the Lake Jackson Church website, our little green button. You can go to that and you can find the blank forms. There is a deadline, if you can go back a little bit. So uh, there is a deadline. It's not a Sunday, it's a Friday, April 2nd. So that's important to know. April 2nd at noon is a deadline to get any uh, objections to us for resolution. They can be returned to uh, either the elder, elder discernment team in person. Uh, you can email them to us. You can return them in the library. We're gonna have a little lockbox in there. You can drop them in or you can get them to one of our currently sitting elders. All right, next slide, please. 
So again, this is our timeline. So March 21st, that's today. Uh, we know our elder candidates. Uh, the examination period has begun. Uh, again, the examination period ends April 2nd, which is, again, a Friday, not a Sunday. A Friday at noon is the cutoff date. Anything we get after that won't be considered. Uh, and then April 4th, Easter Sunday, our affirmation process begins. So that's going to be our, our uh, voting process. So we'll have two weeks of that. And then at the end of April, we will install our new elders. So if there are any questions, you can always reach out to me. Uh, you can reach out to our email address. We check that regularly. And then we also have our uh, elder discernment team members up there. Again, we're all in the uh, Instant Church directory. Thank you. Thank you, Chris, for that update. Uh, I'd like to say thanks to the whole discernment team for the way y'all have been uh, seeing us through this process. Uh, let's all remember to be in prayerful consideration of this process of uh, prayers of protection for each of the candidates, uh, lifting them up before God, and that uh, God's will is done through this. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, well, thank every one of you for being here today. Uh, either in person or live stream or however you're joining, the, the church as a body is stronger when all the parts of the body are, are joined together. And, and thank you for being faithful and in, in continuing in that. Uh, also, uh, as every Sunday, I want to thank you for your continued uh, diligence and your financial contributions and in the way you support all the ministries of the church. Uh, if you are here for Sunday AM class, you, you've got, uh, we're having the open doors to service, which is really running through each of the ministries of the church, uh, how each of those is working, their plans, and most importantly, how you can be, how you can support that ministry, how you can support that work, how you can be engaged. I encourage everybody to, to make it a priority to, one, come and learn about that, and two, to actually join up and participate in the ministries. Uh, next Sunday, the uh, ministries to be discussed are the welcoming and visitation and the uh, electronic communication ministry. Uh, also need to remind you, so uh, the first quarter of each year, we use as our budget discernment process, uh, whereas we take the giving that people, we ask people to be very intentional about their giving in that first quarter, and uh, to be uh, in consideration of what God is putting on their hearts as far as the giving, uh, then we take that average through that first quarter, and that's what we build the, the budget around. Uh, so that is drawing close to an end. Uh, next Sunday would probably would be the last Sunday in the quarter. Uh, so just an update where we're at now uh, for comparison last year's budget was built on an average of ten thousand one hundred and forty two dollars in giving per week and right now through 319 uh, this stand the average for the first quarter stands at ten thousand two hundred fifty five per week so uh, thank you for continuing to give thank you for being intentional in that and uh, and I encourage you to finish this quarter off strong with what your what the purpose is that God has put on your heart uh, so I'm a, I'm in a, I have two brothers and three sisters, so by today's standards, that's a pretty large family, and it would be easy for me, and in fact, I've done this, is to kind of get into competition with my brothers and sisters for my standing in the family. 
you know. Uh, I'm better than my older brother because I'm cuter than my older brother. That kind of thing, you know. That's why my parents love me more. But in reality, <laughs> uh, you know, we see this throughout history from Cain and Abel to, uh, to Jews versus Gentiles, Romans and Jews, the prodigal son and the elder son. You know, as Peter pointed out to us, you know, our standing is not based on, on the works that we did and, and there's some kind of pay coming because of something special we did. Our standing, just like my standing in the Nesbitt family, is not based on anything other than I am part of that family. And our standing in, in the Christian family is based on a joining into, an adoption into God's family through our faith, faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. God has joined us to that family. Our standing is solely based on that standing, not on any other value. Thank you for that lesson, Peter. Uh, did have one announcement to add. Uh, so Judah Miller, which is the grandson of Jerry and Arlene Miller, had an emergency appendectomy uh, yesterday, Saturday. So let's be in prayer for Judah. Uh, if you would, join me in prayer at this time. Father, we want to... Uh, Humble ourselves before you, Father, and we want to lift up our praise to you. Uh, Father, we want to acknowledge that you are the true God, that you are the just God, that you are the merciful God. But, Father, we especially uh, want to acknowledge that you are the loving God and that you have lifted us up through Christ Jesus and that you have loved us and that you have redeemed us and you have made us whole. And, Father, we just thank you so much for that. We know that we need that. We know there's nothing that we've done to deserve that. Father, we thank you for, for joining us with the family. Father, we want to uh, lift up the, the, the people in the church. We have a good list going in the caring and sharing, but also of people that have different sicknesses, spiritual needs. Father, we lift up each of those to you. Father, we pray your presence, your active participation in each of those situations. We pray for your healing. Father, we pray for your peace. We pray for your comfort. Father, we ask that you would uh, build us up in your spirit, that you would uh, fill us with your spirit to overflowing, and that you would use us this week, Father, for the good works that you've prepared in advance for us to do. Father, we want to uh, lift up the uh, elder discernment process. Father, we pray that that would come to, uh, to the close that you have, that you want, that uh, we will have the leadership here in this church that you want us to have, and that, Father, we will embrace that, and that we will... Uh, we will follow well. Father, this is our prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you would uh, stand for the closing song. Just as a, just as a quick announcement, um, if you're looking for something to do Tuesday evening, uh, we, announced a couple, we announced last week that uh, J.D. had been selected as our district uh, all-star cast member for his role in a, the actor's nightmare. We'll be performing that at Columbia High School over in West Columbia Tuesday evening at 6 o'clock. So if you're looking for something to do Tuesday evening, won't you join us for that? And you can uh, see J.D. and the work that he and his fellow cast members have done over the last several months.
this week and trust in God.